Now it's time to get the latest from the quarterback of the pack, Aaron Rodgers. It's Tuesdays with Aaron. Here's your host, Jason Wilde. Wow, I don't even know if I know how to start the show without some guy pointing to me next to me. It is the Aaron Rodgers Show, Tuesdays with Aaron, with Green Bay Packers quarterback and the reigning NFL MVP, Aaron Rodgers. From an undisclosed location, I'm in my basement. I have no, I honestly have no idea where this guy is. Aaron, how are you? How are things at the undisclosed location? They're very good. They're very good. Yes, we're both at undisclosed locations today. You sound like you're in a bunker somewhere. Is Dick Cheney with you? Well, I am having some uh, some weird some weird feedback on this headphone, so I just took it off here. Oh, okay. Um, let's uh, let's get right into it because this is the bye week, and we've we've got a little more of a limited time with you. So, one of the things that I thought was interesting that came out after the game on Sunday was Ryan Pickett saying that you know every year, and he's been doing this for even longer than you, you know, all around the league, everyone says the bye comes at the perfect time. But this year, I think it might actually be true. Do you agree with that? That was Pick's opinion, was that this year you could actually say that and truly mean it. And do you do you view it the same way? And how worried are you about now adding Clay and Bulaga to the injury list and then another injury for Jordy as well? I think you have to be worried. I, I really do. I mean, it's... It is good timing uh, because of the amount of injuries that we've had, but a lot of our injuries are not just one-week injuries anymore. They're, uh, you know, Jordy's, who knows how long he's going to be. Clay looks like his might be, you know, more than just the bye week to get ready. Belaga, Greg, um, Cedric obviously is still um, on the IR. We have a lot of guys who... uh, you know, we're counting on to play big roles for us who just haven't been able to, um, you know, to get back or or might not get back for a little bit of time. So it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, how we heal up over this bye week. Now, you always talk about the next man up and the expectations. Does this still feel like 2010 to you, though, where you were able to overcome those things? Because there were times when things in 2010 didn't look like they were going to end in a Super Bowl title either. I think the thing that you, you really take some pride in is that we are winning games. You know, we're we're six and three. It hasn't always been the prettiest. There's been some pretty displays, but there's been some some struggles as well. And uh, you got to feel good knowing that we've won those those games as of late. We put ourselves in a position to control our own destiny for the for the playoffs and we have five of our last seven against division opponents so it kind of sets up the way that we that we want it here knowing that uh you know as you look at the schedule before the season you know you want to win your your division games and if we can uh you know do well in those division games this year we're going to have a good shot of making the playoffs so take us through the last couple days for you without disclosing where you are of course now all the players got their, your bye week started immediately after the game, right? I mean, you didn't have any yeah. other responsibilities? Okay. So you rushed home to watch 60 Minutes. <laughs> um, all right. So I got I to gotta ask you, because we all watched it in the press box, what did you, uh, you think of the piece that 60 Minutes did? Well, to be honest, I was really surprised. Uh, when, you, when you open up your life uh, for, you know, 
four months and, and allow them to have access to your family and your friends and and uh, events. Uh, it's just it's all, always interesting to see what uh, what comes out, and I just felt like the editing of the piece uh, could have been done in a way that was um, you know maybe a lot more respectful of of myself. Um, if I'm you know if I'm sensitive about anything through the whole through the whole process, it's that uh, you know they come to the Mac Fund event in May, which is very very important to me, and even more important considering um, you know the two. The two boys that we lost this year uh, to cancer, Jack and Bo, especially who I got to get to meet Jack, who was very close to me, and for them to not even uh, show really any of the content from that night, any of the kids, uh, to not say anything about the Mac Fund, what they do for kids with cancer. I think that was the thing that was most disappointing about the piece is is, uh, is they had an opportunity to do some great things and really uh, you know show some things I'm passionate about and. And uh, didn't do that. Well, and they didn't do anything on the radio show, which was really my issue. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, something else that you were sensitive about on Sunday, though, was how you played. Now, I've never seen a guy throw four touchdown passes and be more self-critical. That has to be some sort of NFL record for most touchdown passes in a game by a player who thought he stunk. Why were you so unhappy with your performance? Well, yeah, you know, I like to be—I like to be honest about my about my performances and, and look at myself first. Um, just wasn't—it wasn't a game I felt like I was in great rhythm. Now, I made uh, a couple—you know—a couple good checks, a couple good throws along the way that uh, that helped, you know, get get us the four touchdown passes. But um, you just didn't put the ball exactly where I wanted to on on more than one occasion. I think more than anything, the three drives coming out of half. Uh, were very disappointing personally and, and for our offense. We had the ball, Cabby got it out past the 40 in the first one. We got a turnover, and then we got the ball around midfield again, three drives, and just to have three points there with a chance to really put the put the Cardinals away um, was real disappointing. So I think that's kind of what I took with me into the press conference, and and uh, like to like to stand up and. And be you know be honest and critical of my performance every week. So do you like we've obviously seen games where you're quote in the zone. We've talked about that playoff game in Atlanta, the game in Houston. Do you know when you don't quite have it? I mean, you were a pitcher in your youth. Do you know when you have your quote unquote best stuff and when you maybe have to do a little junk junker ball pitching and and get your way through when you're not quite on? Yeah, for sure. I think there's there's games where you're definitely feeling like you're in the zone, and in games where you're, uh, you know, it's just you're not quite where you where you want to be. And I think you can go through stretches within those games where you kind of you, you feel it and you find it, um, which always makes that much more frustrating when you lose it for a couple drives and just miss some passes you should have hit. So for me, that that's, that's how Sunday was. Uh, there were some some very nice highs and some disappointing throws as well. So. It was enough to get the job done, but uh, you know, we would like to, to put them away in the third quarter when we had the chance. Let's, uh, I, I do want to talk about, as you well know, I love positive plays, and we'll do those in under the helmet. But the other thing that you did beat yourself up about was the throw to Jordy that you, you short-hopped him, and he ended up hurting his ankle. When that happens, you've talked before about not wanting to get guys hurt by throwing late over the middle or, or putting a ball in a place where they're going to get hit. But was that 
the thing that you were beating yourself up most about was that throw because of of the end result? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's as disappointing as the throw you know that I made in the game um, with uh, you know with off coverage and a clean clean pocket. You know, the ball didn't come out right. It was a bad throw, and didn't at the time realize he had hurt himself on the play, but. Obviously, you know, a situation like that, you know, if you make a good throw, he probably goes out of bounds at the two-yard line and stays in the game. And who knows how, you know, how we do offensively with uh, with Jordy in the game for the whole game because he was feeling good. His hamstring was good and um, would have been nice to give him some more opportunities. Now, one of the po- positive plays that you had that I'm not going to use for under the helmet because I want to go with some of the other things instead, but you did have the 25-yard run. Um Proud moment for you. That was a pretty good run. You showed, you know, I know you like to show your occasional athleticism. You feel like you showed it on that one. And what was the value I, yeah. of that? Yeah, I was, I was, I was real proud of that. Uh, I actually, you know, kind of used some of my past runs to my advantage there. Um, in that, most of the time when you get outside the pocket and you're running and defenders are closing in on you, they think you're going to slide. And I kind of held off as long as I could. And actually, you know, didn't didn't slide on that one, and was able to get some positive yards for it. So it really just kept that drive going. It uh, slowed the pass rush down a little bit, I think, and um, showed off a, a, just a smidgen of uh, athleticism there. I think. Now, when you get to the end zone, you do your discount double check on runs, right? That's the only time you're doing it these days. Yeah, and there haven't been any this year. So okay, well, you had one that didn't count, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, but what yeah about, we we talked about that. What about the uh, what about the other celebrations then after touchdowns? Because you you a few folks have asked about the hop kind of fist pump thing, uh, where that comes from, and then it looked like you and Coach McCarthy were having a grand old time after Krabby's touchdown. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know the the hop skip fist thing that. It just happened kind of randomly, and, and now that I, I do enjoy playing the the, uh, the game on Xbox called FIFA. Some of the uh, European soccer players uh, do I've noticed do a similar celebration to that. Um, that was just a reaction one time that happened, and, and comes out from time to time. The funniest story about uh, about uh, you know after we hit that uh, touchdown at Krabby, I, I went over to Mike and was celebrating with him, and he told me afterwards that that. Uh, uh, he had, he was wearing a pin in his hat. I think it was a pin for for the uh, the troops. Yes. Um, and I and I guess when I was slapping him in the head, I was pounding that pin uh, into his skull, the pointy end. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so he said uh, he wanted to kind of slap me there, but uh, he was excited about the play, so he allowed me to uh, drive that pin into his skull a little bit. So I, I, I apologize for that, but uh, I think we all enjoyed that play. He needs to be more careful with all the things he keeps in that hat between pins and his <laughs> marker and everything else. Um, let's, uh, bef- before we do under the helmet, let's, let's look a little bit ahead since we've only, we're only going to do one segment here. We won't go to halftime. Um, you mentioned five games in in the final seven that are against division opponents. Uh, you do come back from the bye with back-to-back road games at Detroit and at the Giants. You know, this, I know this isn't technically the midway point. It's nine games, not eight, when the bye arrives. But just your general feel for where this team is and how you view 
the challenges ahead. Injuries or not, you know, that's that's a you may have the destiny in your own hands, but it's a challenging road at the same time. Well, it's very challenging. I think if you look at uh, where we're at this year compared to last year, last year we were obviously a lot more healthy. We'd, uh, you know, I think we were nine and zero at this point. We we're on a roll. Um, that was a, that was a different team. This team has dealt with a ton of adversity, dealt with injuries, um, had some ups and downs, some inconsistent plays, some bad luck, um, some you know just some some crazy things that have happened um, on the field. So. But I like to think that this team is in maybe uh, a better position than last year's team because we've already dealt with some some major adversity, and we realize uh, after last year how important it is to be playing the right way late in the season, as opposed to uh, you know kind of uh, kind of building and, and and peaking too early. Um, so I think that guys understand how important this stretch run is going to be and playing our best in November and December and. Hopefully we learned a lot from last year. We can get our guys back healthy, and um, it's all laid out right in front of us. So um, there's going to be no excuses after the seven-game stretch here. Let's get to the D-list question. They, of course, want to know how you would vote on this. With Skyfall, the new Bond movie opening, who you got as your favorite all-time actor to play Bond? Great question. Uh are you a Bond Sean, guy? I, I am a Bond guy, yeah. I am okay. definitely a Bond guy. Um, I love Sean Connery and the fact that he played Bond. But I'm going to have to go with, because of the time when it came out and when I got into Bond, that Pierce would be my, Pierce Brosnan would be my favorite Bond. I think um, I think Daniel Craig does a great job. But uh, but when I first got into Bond, it was Pierce. So Pierce is always going to be Bond to me. All right, let's get to Inside the Helmets, where we take a look at a few of the plays from last week. I have to admit, I've I've put four on the list because there are three touchdowns that intrigued me the most. And then this play, I think we have to start with this play, especially given what your coach said about it, uh, saying he was not a fan of it. Uh, James Starks' fumble. What goes through your mind when the ball comes loose? You said you had visualized that situation before, but take us through that and, and maybe why the coach would say that he was that scared the hell out of him and he kind of wished you hadn't fallen on it. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why he feels that way, but that, in my opinion, was one of the better plays of uh, of my career. I think that uh, you know, we're not talking about a big playoff game or you know or you know, a game late in the season that determines whether we get in the playoffs. But I believe it was 14-7 at the time, and uh, I was just carrying out my fake on the backside and was able to keep a possession alive that we ended up scoring a touchdown on. And um, It's a fun play for me because I've, I've thought about that before. I used to love in college coming out on the backside of handoffs on my boot fake and, and trying to get the, a block that could spring a guy. Most of the time, wasn't very successful, but one time I did, I did get a block from Marshawn Lynch against Stanford uh, in 2004, which kind of sprung him for a touchdown on the backside of a of a run. But um, it's just it's one of those moments where you can uh, surprise people, even surprise yourself by making a an important play like that. I just kind of saw the ball out. I saw it kicked out to the side and thought that uh, I had a chance to to sell out and get that ball, and that's kind of why I did it. The ideal, though, is where the ball is bouncing and you can scoop it up and run for a touchdown. 
that would be the ideal situation. Yeah, like when you're when you're visualizing that, that's kind of what happens. Kind of spook, scoops out to you, you pick it up, you stiff arm a couple guys, and run a four or five into the end zone. Uh, you did end up with a touchdown on that drive. Now that ball comes out at the twenty-five yard line, uh, and when if you don't fall on that, they've obviously got the ball. It's fourteen to seven at the time. Maybe they go in and tie the game at fourteen. Who knows how that plays out the rest of the game? But instead, you go down the field and throw the touchdown to James Jones, and he makes a whale of a catch. Take us through that play. Yeah, that was a great catch by JJ. Um, we had a. To... Seven man protection with three guys getting out in the route, and they brought some pressure to the strong side. Uh, had JJ on kind of a double move out to the left, and wanted, he was kind of number two in the progression, was going to look inside the cob first and then come out to JJ. Uh, but Terry Rhodes added very quick from the safety position, and, and I felt like Alex may have been caught, Alex Green may have been caught a little too close to the line to get a good shot on, on Kerry as he was, uh, you know, sprinting through the line. And so kind of had to throw it without uh, being able to set my feet real quickly. And um, the confidence I have in James allows me to, to to want to just put it in an area where you can come up with it. Uh, if you watch the catch in slow-mo, it's an incredible catch. He catches it off of the defender's arm, basically, and um, not sure how he was able to come up with that. But um, James has been making some big-time plays for us this season. Very, very proud of him, very happy for him. And uh, it's one of those plays where your receiver makes you look really good. Now, another guy that you're proud of and happy for is Crabtree. Uh, the birthday boy celebrates with that 72-yard touchdown, which I thought that was a pretty good throw by the quarterback as well. Uh, take us through that one and uh, how it played out for you. Yeah, it was a fun one. We were kind of setting that one up throughout the game. Uh, you have to be able to make good in-game adjust- adjustments. And, uh, you know, Mike and Tom and I putting our heads together have always been able to um, to be able to make some subtle adjustments. We saw that they were really crashing from the corner position, and if we were able to, to get uh, a couple guys going vertical on the same side, uh, that their corner was kind of crashing, trying to trying to fill in the run game, that we're going to be able to have a pretty good opportunity at a big play. So we kind of set that play up. Mike Mike called it, great call, and uh, it was just basically faking the handoff. Uh, and, and getting Krabby one-on-one up the seam with uh, James Jones outside running on safety. They played the perfect coverage for it. And it was just a matter of me being able to put a ball uh, in Krabby's area that, that allowed him to stay on the run. Uh, and as we saw against Houston, he showed uh, some athleticism and some speed. Not sure why he looked over his shoulder, just about <laughs> both shoulders, every every other step. But uh, I was glad he got uh, all the way to the end zone. And uh, on a side note, his uh, his Lambo leap is going to get uh, going to get scrutinized there pretty good uh, once we see this uh, this highlight tape next week. Uh, before we get to the last under the helmet play to sneak in an early ask, Aaron Shane asks, could you beat Tom Crabtree in a forty yard dash? I don't think so. I, I really don't think so. And that's that's letting letting my pride uh, you know to the side <laughs> here. He. Uh, He's pretty fast. He's faster than I think people give him credit for. So I think he beat me, barely. Uh, and then the last play for under the helmet, and, and this there's a couple of things about this play that I want to ask you about. The touchdown to Cobb, the 13-yarder. Now, I, you checked at the line on that, right? Uh, yes. And you, did, was it the other touchdown to Cobb that you checked to? Yes. Um, so take us maybe through what you saw 
on that touchdown. And then Driver and Cobb, or actually Cobb said after the game, that Driver told him to switch spots with him and that they were actually in flip-flopped spots. And I'm very confused at how that works and what the quarterback's thinking when one guy's supposed to be in one spot and it's another guy instead. And, and take us just through that whole thing from start to finish, please. Then I actually did not notice uh, immediately um, that they had switched spots, but we had just had a, a procedural penalty to put it back to the 13-yard line. Um, we called we called a play that uh, probably had a lower percentage of getting the end zone was was a safer play, um, and I checked to uh, to the different play uh, and just alerted them in the huddle. I might check to this just in case we got a certain type of coverage. Um, they'd showed a good amount of pressure in the red area, down low in the red zone. Uh, but on this play, I decided to play coverage, so I checked to the coverage beater that I was I was wanting. Would have checked whether Donald was outside or Randall. Just so happened Randall was out there, and um, Donald made a real nice block. Um, Jermichael had a great block on the play, and, and you're basically setting the play up for uh, what happened to happen, meaning that you want Randall running on the safety one-on-one, make a miss, and you might score. And that's exactly what he did. We had two good blocks out in front of him, and, and he got up on the safety and was able to spin and get in the end zone. And not not something you expect there on third and goal from 13, but uh, that was a play that really got us going and, and just kind of shows how if you can get the ball in Randall's hands in space, good things are going to happen. So in the past, you've talked about seeing more colors than you know faces or whatever. So you it does it really matter that they switched places? And how often does that happen? I mean, do they do that to you on a regular basis? Is there that freedom to do that in your offense? There is that freedom. I think you know just in our two minute situations and occasionally in our no huddle stuff, you know, guys will uh, will switch switch roles, switch positions, and they have to know all of the positions. And I think it you know they deserve a lot of credit for their preparation their study edgar bennett i think he's done a great job with those guys he deserves a lot of credit with the way that he gets those guys prepared and makes and, and quizzes them and, and makes sure they know every position on the field from you know x receiver to a slot receiver to a, you know off the ball flanker position to um the guy that's going to be going in motion a bunch they, they all know the routes really well and to do a good job adjusting uh, based on their split and alignment and route call, route adjustment. They're very good at anticipating kind of the things that I'm seeing and what I'm going to check to, and uh, you got to give those guys a lot of credit for their approach. Let's get to the Ask Aaron questions. You can always send your questions either via email or with the hashtag AskAaron on Twitter. Uh, the first one, an Election Day question from Seth, who clearly knows – you and has listened to the program says i don't want to ask aaron who he voted for but how and where absentee in person in wisconsin in california early vote or today what was your voting mo for this election well i'm a proud proud resident of the state the great state of wisconsin and uh because of us winning that game, it was important to make sure I got my vote in early, and thankfully there's uh, there's ways to do that. Um, and I was glad there was opportunities there. But I've in the past um, I've just voted down at the local voting spot and enjoy uh, enjoy those opportunities. But um, like I said, the, the early voting this year was very very helpful to get the 
give my vote cast. But I am so, a resident of, uh, of the state of Wisconsin. So when you when you go to vote at your polling place, is it at a church where they have a bake sale? Because i got to say that's a highlight for the two small people that uh, come along for my voting. Say that again? Is that, did, Well, like we went today to vote, and they have a bake sale going on at the same time. Do you, do you, I mean, where are you voting at a place where you get like a nice snack? I know you have a, a sweet tooth. I must be voting at the wrong place because I haven't experienced any of that yet. But kind of, you know, you, you, it'd be awesome if there was like some Girl Scouts out there handing some cookies out or something. And I could take some Samoas and some of those Thin Mints, you know, before and after the voting process. It'd be pretty sweet. Well, we'll see if we can get that set up for you for the next election. Uh, this comes from Eric. When did the you now we talked about the photo bomb from last week, the epic eye patches? Uh, you did it again this week, and because you won, we all got to see it. When did the photo bombing of team captains' photos actually start, and how did it kind of start? And what were you thinking about this week for your pose, where you look like you're sniffing something? Yeah, it started before I got to the team, and it was just uh, the goal was to randomly be in the background of all the of all the pictures uh you know after doing that for a few years i thought it'd be fun to maybe branch out a little bit and because people knew that it wasn't just random anymore every time there was a, a win and they hand out the captain's photos that i'm in the background of the picture um so i, I wanted to spice it up a little bit and add some uh, my own personality to it so i added some props and some different things along the way and uh guys have enjoyed um you know, doing that to me when I'm a captain or, you know, looking forward to what happens each week in that photo. This week I had one of the sniffing salts, um, was just sniffing that. It was kind of, uh, kind of rushed. I was on the, I was over talking to, uh, to Graham and then I realized we were about to miss the picture and all I had in my hand was a sniffing salt. So didn't have any props this week. The, uh, the other question, we've gotten a few of these, and there's too many to list. They're all asking about if you got to watch Jordan play on Saturday. The Vanderbilt Commodores with a 40 to nothing victory over the alma mater of Tim Mastay and Randall Cobb, the Kentucky Wildcats. Did you get to see that game, and how impressed were you with your kid brother? I did. I'm very proud of him. I mean, it's been uh, it's been fun to watch him. Uh, it's, it's nice that he's... You know, on TV more often now. It's been fun to follow his career from junior college to living out his dream of being a Division One quarterback. And they're five and four now with a chance to make a bowl for the second straight year. Uh, they got to win one of their last three. Uh, they got Old Miss, Tennessee, and Wake Forest. So, be fun for that school and that program and Jordan uh, as a senior uh, to uh, to go out with another bowl appearance. So I'm really proud of them. That was a great win. Uh, me and uh, Casey Hayward and Sean Richardson are often uh, putting up the uh, the middle finger, the index, and the thumb. Uh, that's the VU uh, symbol, and we do that to each other a lot. It's like the too legit kind of um, nice. Vanderbilt stole that, and we're very uh, been uh, been putting those up uh, all over Saturday Saturday night at the hotel to Randall and to to Ginge, and then Sunday just to remind them of what happened the day before. A very MC Hammer of you. This uh, this would almost qualify as a segue. This came via email from Emily. She says, I'm down in Nashville, so I get to see Aaron's brother Jordan a lot. He's very impressive with the press. 
You should have him on as a guest on the show sometime. Uh, in listening to the show, you can definitely tell that Aaron, by his stories, grew up with brothers. I can say, with some authority, being the only girl in my family, I have multiple older brothers. My question is, did Aaron ever want a sister, or could he imagine how things would have been different in the family dynamic if Jordan had been a girl? Maybe I should really be asking <laughs> their mom if she ever wished for a daughter. What uh, it is that you've talked before about what it's like having three boys and three competitive boys in the house. Did you ever think about what it would have been like if you had a little sister? Yeah, because you know you go over to friends' houses and they have sisters, and mom always talked about you know when we were really being bad how having a little little girl might have been nice, but uh, you know I wouldn't have done it any other way. I mean I'm, I'm glad that uh, I had two brothers to compete with. Now Luke and I were closer in age, so we competed a lot more um you know just in the backyard front yard and playing our sports we played on the same sports team a couple of times uh, it would have been different for sure i think um you know the uh, the people that i know who have uh you know just brothers for siblings the guys that i know it's always interesting interesting to see the personality differences between maybe someone who was uh the youngest in a and the only boy in a family of girls uh it's it's a, you know it's probably different experiences growing up i'm just glad that i had an older brother and a younger brother and didn't have to be dressed up at all by any older sisters or tormented <laughs> uh, in any way by them but uh i think as a, you know as, as an older sibling as well to have a younger sister i know that my brother and i would have been very very protective i can tell you that much i would imagine i personal aside my all-time and you've said a lot of neat things on this show over the last year and a half. I still think my favorite moment was when you talked about what it meant to be a middle brother and to be both an older brother and a younger brother at the same time. I, I, I still think that that was one of the best things you've ever talked about on this show. Two more here in the Ask Aaron segment. One, uh, Lee wants to know, predict the final score of Butte College and San Francisco City College this Saturday. Is well, that a big one? Is that bigger than Shasta? Well, Shasta, Shasta, I don't think has beat Butte in a long time, and they were used to be our rivals. But in order to have a rivalry, there has to be some give and take every now and then. Uh, in 2002, we beat City College 35-10, and I think Butte's only won maybe once, once for sure, maybe twice since then. Uh, I'm going to have to go Butte 28, City College 24. All right, we will hold that. Go Roadrunners. So that's a that's a big one. Uh, we'll we'll hold you to that score next week. We'll see how you did. And finally, from Sam, I have a Halloween follow up. Left a bowl, lights off, costume party, and did you ever consider bringing Krabby over just to scare kids? <laughs> uh, on that note, catching seeing the view of Krabby's touchdown from where you're looking at his face as the guys were were uh, were chasing him. He needs to work on his uh, on his running face. He had a really weird look on his face as he was looking over both shoulders, and uh, it was a, a look of death, I think. And I know he said he was really tired after the game, but uh, he's got to work on his uh, mid-catch facial expressions. Uh, that being said, Halloween, uh, I was not at the house um, for most of the time when there was trick-or-treating. There's, you know, I think it's four to seven um, was the was the general time. Uh, I was at the stadium until well after six, um, and then when I went home, when I finally did get home, there was—I don't think—I don't think anybody really. 
came by when I was at the house. So didn't see anybody. And no costume party or anything? No, we didn't have one this year. Lame. Well, that was I'm on sure... Ginge. Ginge was supposed to set it up. He didn't set it up. Okay, well, when in doubt, we can always blame him. We will uh, we will let you get to your vacation week. Is there anything at all about this week you can tell anyone at all about it? It's going to be a great week. <laughs> <laughs> and no, there... This is all I want to say about it. Is that I think that there has to be an understanding of personal and private time where I just... Like, I, I wasn't trying to be disrespectful to Jesse when she asked the questions, but, you know, I just think that some things need to be need to be personal. And where I spend my off time uh, on, on the bye week, it's not in Cancun, I'm not in Cabo, I'm not out of the country, I'm just relaxing. <laughs> you keep fighting that fight. I know you're not going to give that up at any point soon. All right, well, we will, uh, we will see you in person again next week. Now, you guys... You return to work Monday, right? Yes. So you have to be back here Sunday? Yep. Okay, so we'll safe travels from your undisclosed location back to the city by the bay, and we will do it again next week. Sounds good. This has been the Aaron Rodgers Show.